But anyway, we provide that flexibility and we give the power and we specifically give it. I give the power to my surviving spouse to disclaim as much or as little as they want, um, either in the IRA or the Roth IRA or the after-tax dollars, the life insurance, et cetera, et cetera, to, that they get the choice of keeping it or disclaiming it or disclaiming part of it. Then we take the next possibility, which is we give each kid the right to either keep it or disclaim it into a trust for the benefit of their kids or maybe some of each. Again, and the other benefit of that, by the way, is with the traditional documents, the only way a grandchild inherits any money is you have to have grandma and grandpa die and you have to have their parent die. With the Lang's Cascading Beneficiary Plan, you could potentially have grandchildren getting money at the first death and since their parent can still be alive and they get money, you can have their parent be the trustee. And you obviously can't have their parent be the trustee with the traditional documents because the only way they get any money is if their parent is gone. So this flexible solution is just, just I believe, terrific. The cascade, if you will, first simple situation, surviving spouse, children, trust for grandchildren with the opportunity to disclaim um, anything. And again, we, we want it for your wills, your trust, your Roth IRAs, your um, after-tax dollars, your insurance, your house, everything. Build in that flexibility. You obviously have to have, your, you have, to have trust in your spouse. Uh, it is much better if you have the same kids because otherwise you have the danger of your spouse changing the documents and leaving money to their kids and not your kids. Sometimes we do that anyway if we completely trust even the second spouse has kids from a prior marriage. But the concept of disclaimer basically says you can't force somebody to take a bequest, but you put in what happens if they disclaim. And the deadline for the disclaimer is nine months after the uh, death of the, uh, well, IRA owner or the, the death of the person with the money. And I would say that this Lang's Cascading Beneficiary Plan, and again, of the 3,000, and I was doing them, by the way, in the early 90s. I read about it, and I thought, wow, what a cool idea. There hardly anybody was doing it back then. And anyway, I started doing them just because I thought it was a good idea. Um, it was in a peer-reviewed article, um, and, and we've done so many of them. Now, typically, most of our clients are probably, I usually meet them in their 60s or 70s. And that was also true 30, 35 years ago. So we did a lot of these documents a long time ago. And many of these people have since died and we helped them with the estate administration. And we've had, we've saved people millions of dollars through disclaimers. We've protected spouses, we've protected grandchildren. We've been smart about this because we built in the ability for the surviving spouse and for the kids to have some power and not put a fixed in stone document, which we think has worked out exceedingly well in practice. And um, a lot of times when people hear it, they go, yep, that's what I want. And frankly, if you do without a state, one of the issues that we're gonna have is convincing, well, if we know the an estate attorney in your state, well, great, if not, we're going to sometimes have to work with them. Sometimes they're a little bit hostile to our ideas, and I, I get that. 
But anyway, uh, again, I've been doing it since the 90s. I, it was in a peer-reviewed article in 99. Jane Bryan Quinn uh, read about it, um, and she put it in Newsweek in 2001. Um, it's been in the Wall Street Journal multiple times. Uh, it was in the book Retire Secure multiple times, Beating the New Death Tax, which is the book that we are giving away. I've taught this to thousands of state attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, tens of thousands, and if you count books and digital outreach, probably hundreds of thousands of people. This, I believe, for the right family, which is probably most of the people on this webinar, is, I believe, a great thing. Again, uh, the books have been endorsed by the top names uh, in the field, um, and it has worked out very well in practice. So what do I think is the ideal estate plan? Well, getting the trusts and the estate plan and the beneficiary designations of the IRA, et cetera, et cetera. Yesterday, we talked about getting the uh, long-term multiple-year Roth IRA conversion strategy. We didn't cover it yesterday, but optimizing Social Security is important. Again, we this is all part of our financial master plan, which if you go with us, uh, you will get whether it's a standalone plan or part of assets under management. Um, we do certainly take into consideration the SECURE Act um, for assets under management. We have, we believe, a wonderful money manager. By the way, the same person who manages my and my wife's money uh, is mainly a low-cost enhanced index approach. Uh, a lot of it is DFA, which came out of academia, not Wall Street, not Main Street, but they also are flexible and they are big enough to include uh, fund families that are, aren't DFA. So, for example, they like a small value fund uh, better than the DFA small value fund, so you would likely be invested in that. They also have alternative investments, which I'm personally invested in. Um, if you are not happy with the 1% or 2% uh, rate of return on fixed income, which, by the way, after inflation these days, you're actually losing money. Um, but they have some alternatives like uh, a, a lending program, where some businesses that might not qualify for a bank loan, but we think that they are a good enough risk where you get a much higher than, let's say, 1% or 2% rate, but it's still not nearly as risky as a stock market, but it does have some risk. Anyway, that's all part of it. They do a great job. I think we do a great job. Um, but let's do a, let's see, where are we? Oh, we still, we, we actually have some time for some questions, don't we? Um, why don't I take, why don't I take, am I right? Or? So, so are you finished with the slideshow? Where are you? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm on slide 69. Um, I'm, okay, so I'm close to done, but I, I think we do have some time. Okay, well, we have 15 minutes left in the presentation. Right. So, okay. So you want, you want to take some questions? I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, let's, some let's take two questions okay. and, and then we will wrap up. Okay, so. I guess I'm going to give you a half question here, okay. um, which is which I because I think that you can actually. So Beth asked, will you cover charitable remainder trusts and how they can be used? And I know we're not really going to get in depth with that. So I thought maybe instead of covering that, you could tell her which resource she could go to of the bonuses to get more in-depth information to answer that question. Yeah. So we, we there's you know, the, the problem with a program like this is there's so much I want to cover. And more times than not, I make the mistake of trying to cover too much. 
And I tried to be a little bit more just, and, and the other thing is, frankly, most people don't want to hear a monologue for two hours. So I tried to um, reduce the things that I have talked about. Um, and one of the things that we have loved um, is a charitable remainder trust as the beneficiary of the IRA. And again, we're not going to have time to, to cover that. It is, it is a really good alternative for people who have even just some charitable intent and like the idea of the IRA being distributed over time um, to their children beneficiaries rather than having a massive tax 10 years after death. Um, again, that, that, that charitable technique, which you don't read about very often, uh, makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Again, I, I didn't cover it. We do cover that in the book, which is part of your bonuses, which you should certainly get the hard copy of uh, beating the new death tax, because that is one of the great ways to do it. The other thing that we didn't cover that I would love to cover is who gets what. Um, who gets what is um, we leave different monies to different beneficiaries. So we leave IRAs to charities after tax dollars to kids. We leave Roth IRAs to the child with the higher bracket. We leave traditional IRAs to the child in the lower bracket. Probably anybody does that, by the way. Uh, to me, if there's, let's say, a 20 or 30% difference in the tax bracket, and you're talking a million bucks, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a substantial potential savings. So again, there's a, the problem is there's a million things that you could cover. Um, I have two hours and I want to take questions. So that was, crots or something that I didn't cover. Who gets what is something I didn't cover. There's a lot of things I didn't cover, frankly. Um, I give eight, I've given eight hour workshops just on Roth conversions. So, um, but charitable remainder trust is the beneficiary of an IRA. Great topic for people who are charitable. Um, great topic for people who don't, who prefer that their kids get a regular income for the rest of their lives. Um, and then at the child's death, the money goes to the charity. Um, who gets what is really important, but again, we, we, can only, we can only cover so much. So why don't we take one more and then I will um, wrap, wrap up with, with a few offers and talk about bonuses. Absolutely. So, okay, this is not quite a full question, but it ties into all of this and then I will get to the final question. But um, so the, the link to get the book that Jim just held up and then he mentioned that he actually gets more in depth about cruts in charitable remainder trusts to answer the question that Beth had asked. The link is right there. All you have to do is click it and fill out the form and we will send it to you all free of charge. Um, and also there was another question from Sue. She asked about elaborating on gifting options, if you could do that. And one of the things that she discussed was uh, giving them money to make contributions to a, you know, a retirement plan like a Roth and different types of gifting options or things that we might not necessarily historically, you know, always stamp with the, this is a type of gift uh, is also covered in that book. Jim talks a lot about sort of alternative, but also ways to gift to your children and grandchildren. Okay. Hang, hang, hang on a yeah. second, Erica. I, I, let me tell you another area that I didn't talk about. Okay. I didn't talk about two things that we do cover um, more specifically in services than in the information. I would say that the biggest mistake 
that our clients make, even people who, who use us, and even people who do reviews every year, and I would even guess the majority of the people on this call, is they get two things wrong, and sometimes even with our mistake, with our help. One, they get spending wrong, which is they tend to be too conservative about how much money they are spending because they don't realize how much money they could spend, even assuming a lot of bad things happen. And that's one of the things that we do do with our master plans and our assets under management is we give people a guideline of how much money they can spend. Even after that, they rarely go up to that amount, but it does in effect give them permission, if you will, to spend more money. The other area that might even that might even be a bigger mistake than anything else, maybe not quite that bad, is not gifting as much as they should or as early as they should. And I'm not, I'm not talking about charity. I'm not even talking about um, their own retirement plans. I'm talking about to their kids and their grandkids. And again, I could do two hours just on gifting when we talk about 529 plans and we talk about um, irrevocable life insurance trusts and we talk about just plain old gifts and say, here, use the money to buy, uh, IR, to buy your own Roth IRA, to put money in your own Roth 401k. Yesterday, we covered the transfer from the taxable world to the tax-free world. And one of the ways to do that is to transfer money from an IRA to um, just plain old cash, pay the tax and take the cash, gift the cash, and then have your kids invested tax-free, again, like 529, life insurance, uh, their own Roth, their own Roth 401k. So again, you know, I, I do the best I can. I really do. But that's another very important area that I skipped. I don't know if that really answers the question. Probably doesn't. Um, but why don't I take one more and then I'm, then I'm going to wrap up, okay? Wonderful. Okay, so we had two questions. So by the way, anyone else who has a question that we haven't addressed here, I will try to carry over as many of these questions as I can fit into the 1 p.m. session. So definitely register for that if you haven't registered and definitely attend. But so there are two questions that are sort of on the same subject, which is um, protecting the money that your children would inherit from you from their potential future ex-spouse. So the yeah, first yeah. one was from Sarah. Is that a big one that you get a lot, Jim? Well, yeah, that, that's the I don't want my no good son or I don't inherit one red cent of my money trust. Right, okay. <laughs> so the first question from Sarah was, if all the money is in a Roth IRA that the children can inherit, can an ex-spouse get that when or if there is a divorce? And then another question from Mary. Well, hold, hold on. The, the answer to that is without a trust, they can get the equitable distribution that will include a percentage that might be more than 50% of the inherited Roth on the growth of that money between the date of death and the time of the divorce. Okay. Okay. Second. And then Mary asked, are adult children protected against future ex-spouses with a testamentary trust? Uh, no, they're not. Um, well, and depending on the type of testamentary trust, if it's a plain old testamentary trust, the answer is no. Uh, that's why this specialty trust has become so popular. And I hate to say it, but you, it's not like your kid has to be a lot, you know, married to a louse. It's, you know, if you have some family money and you want to keep it in the family. Um, when, when I was married, my, my wife um, had, has a dad who has a couple bucks. I didn't even have to ask. 
I knew they wanted to have a prenuptial and I didn't want to have to burden him with leaving his money in a trust um, for the protection of his bloodline, which is what I'm sure he would have wanted to do. But now we basically have a prenuptial agreement. It's been 28 years. It's kind of a moot point at this point. But it basically says any money that he, she inherits goes in a separate pot. And I can't get one nickel of that pot um, if she doesn't want me to. So it, it, it's a, it, it should be much more common than it is. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't like the idea of it. They don't, sometimes it violates some cultural norms. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, I like the prenuptial better, but if we can't do that, then the I want my no good son, I want to inherit one red cent of my money trust, uh, that by the way, st still needs all the five conditions, et cetera, uh, to be there. Okay, I'm gonna now uh, wrap, wrap up. I have to close questions for now, but let me do a quick wrap up of what we've talked about. We talked about revocable trust to avoid probate. We talked about trust for minors. Uh, we talked about the I want my no good son, I want to inherit one red cent of my money trust. We talked about trust when the underlying asset is an IRA or retirement plan. Uh, same with spendthrift trust. We talked about the best estate plan for married couples. So we cut and we actually covered a lot more, but let me do a quick review of how we can potentially help you. The first way is a financial master plan. Um, and again, it's going to be a minimum of $10,000 for, I, I'm going to say, well, probably more than half. We're still bidding bidding, if you will, because we think it's fair at 10,000. For more complex or, or bigger numbers, we are charging 15,000. Again, we are doing projections, how much Roth, how much you can spend. Uh, we look at gifting, we look at your wills and your trusts and your beneficiary designations. And even if you're not in Pennsylvania, we make recommendations on those changes. And then we follow up. Uh, we have number crunch. You, you, you get me to, let's say, does the broad outline. You get number crunching CPAs who are running the numbers, uh, literally testing different Roth IRA conversion amounts. Here's if you don't do anything. Here's if you convert X. Here's if you convert 2X. Here's if you convert X and you do a gifting plan. Here's if you convert X and you do a gifting plan and you do Social Security waiting till 70. Here's if you do it this way. Here's if you do it that way. And it really, really helps um, it's very popular, more popular, frankly, than we can handle the demand for, but that is one of our services. Eventually, uh, what we anticipate, particularly um, after our new book, um, which is Retire Secure for Professors, comes out, we think we're going to be inundated. The better choice for most people, even though, frankly, mo many people don't see the true value of it, is the assets under management approach. Um, and that is, um, and I'm skipping through this because we're doing a little bit late. Um, I will just mention with the uh, number crunching or financial master plan, you'll know what the report says before you even get it because you're part of the process, but it does include a report with recommendations. Um, and again, between 10 dollars and $15,000. And the assets under management it includes all the personal financial plan, but it also includes the money manager. And um, we think that that's the best deal because the money manager is charging 1% or less if it is over a million dollars, um, which is a 
very fair fee. They, again, they have their own 40-point system. You will be meeting Adam Yofan uh, between one and three if you choose to uh, listen to that Q&A, which I highly recommend. Um, they do all kinds of things. They do asset allocation, asset location. They Some of it overlaps with what we do, um, but that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, and you get us uh, doing this financial master plan that we're going to charge between, we not only charge it, but we get it. Um, and frankly, we're turning away a bunch of them. Um, and eventually we might turn away all of them. But anyway, you get that and the ten or $15,000 piece. Now, we're not, we will continue doing that for our assets under management clients. Very frankly, to me, that is what we like the best because that is continuity. You get to know people, you deal, you work with them every year. Uh, we become the trusted advisor. And that's frankly the role in life that, that I want to play. Um, that we think is a win-win-win because we get to do what we love, which is strategy. The money manager gets to do what they love which is, again, this 40-point process in the investing. And, and, and to me, we don't like all the, um, let's call it mechanical things that they have to do. Um, both of us, that is us and the money manager, are in a low profit margin because we split it 50-50. But again, we have $900 million under management, so we can afford to have a relatively low profit margin um, because we do make obviously some money. So that would be the second way. And I, that is, we call it the done for you solution. Again, a minimum of a million, depending on how much money you have, it could be well more than a million. Um, in order for that to work, you would meet with me. And typically we have you meet with the number crunching CPA in addition. Then you meet with Adam of Buckingham and you have to, in effect, survive both of us. We have to survive uh, your process, too. And both of us get to say no if it doesn't look like it's going to be a good fit. And we sometimes do. Sometimes I think it's going to be okay. Adam doesn't. Um, but you don't see Adam until you see me. Um, anyway, if you are interested in that model, um, you, you, that, that can be something that you could sign up for now. Uh, by the, and we also, by the way, if you are a Pennsylvania resident, we used to be mainly Pennsylvania. Then the pandemic hit, and I had a large following um, since I've been writing books and doing radio shows and, and having emails literally for probably close to since email became popular. Um, and so we're, we're flooded now with national business, which is good. And it gives us more scope. But anyway, if you're a Pennsylvania resident, we can actually draft your documents you know, again, we've done close to 3,000 of them. Uh, if you're outside Pennsylvania, you know, again, we can make recommendations. We can look at your documents. Uh, we can even look at what the estate attorney that we, either we referred or maybe you referred uh, and see how they did with our recommendations. So the financial master plan, we no longer have enough time to do a free consultation to see if you're a good candidate. I look at your information, I will determine it. Doesn't mean if you send it in, you have to say yes, but I look at it and if I say yes, then you get a final choice. Yes, let's go for it. And then on minute one, I'm not selling, I'm not deciding if you're gonna be a good fit. I've already determined that. I'm gonna go right into the meat and very frankly, I do a really good, well, I think they're good, a memo at the end of some of the things that we talked about and some of the things that some of the people should follow up. By the way, I also do that for assets under management clients. 
Um, and sometimes, some, sometimes in certain situations, like even one sentence of something that I might say that another advisor or other CPA or state attorney might not pick up can pay for years of uh, fees, et cetera. But anyway, um, we don't offer free consultation for the financial master plan. Again, we do for assets under management. Uh, we are constantly taking a multidiscipline approach, taxes, legal investments. I'm switching hats from CPA hat to state attorney hat to registered investment advisory hat. I've done it during this webinar. I do it when, when we work together. And very frankly, I believe that people need all three disciplines. And it's great if they come from the same source uh, and working under the same roof, um, although Adam is in his own office. But we, we have constant communication.